You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 863 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And I want to tell you at the top of the show that the NBA draft is, of course, finally arriving on Wednesday. And the Locked On NBA podcast has a five-part mock draft that covers every single first-round pick. In addition to controlling the Hawks, at number six overall, I was one of the analysts on the main desk of the show, along with Josh Lloyd, Brennan Clean, and David Locke. And there's also analysis in that podcast, that five-part series with Jeremy Wu, Chad Ford, and John Hollinger. Make sure you check it all out on the Locked On NBA podcast feed and subscribe today. Also on this show, I want to tell you about last week's podcast, and they included a two-part episode with Ben Pfeiffer. Brian Schroeder's been here for multiple episodes, including the one that you're about to hear today, and also a Friday night special edition podcast with Tyler Jones, good friend of the program. We went we went pretty deep on the NBA draft, free agency, etc. So that one posted a little bit late on Friday if you missed it. Go back and check all that out right now. Uh, coming up in today's podcast, as I said before, I'll, I'll recap the weekend's news, including some of the firmer details on the calendar from the, from the upcoming season, and then I'll be joined by Brian Schroeder to discuss Florida State wing. Devin Vassell. But first, I want to tell you about the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are up to 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. From there, it's also important to note that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are high protein, high fiber, low calorie, and low sugar, and Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and when you do that, you get 20% off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, for 20% off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. All right, and we'll dive into the news portion of the podcast now. Uh, earlier in the weekend, Sham Sarani reported that the NBA is targeting December 11th through the 19th for the preseason this season, and that teams have the option to request three or four preseason games. Each team, though, must host reportedly at least one home game, so keep an eye on that, of course. That leads us into a discussion that we're about to have on the details of the schedule that, that kind of came out over the uh, last couple of days. First, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that the moratorium on, on transactions ends at noon on Monday, and that was followed by a flurry of reporting to that same degree. So noon Monday, actually by the time you might listen to this on Monday, the moratorium will be over and transactions will be allowed. And by the way, once that gun goes off, 55 hours before the start of the draft. So uh, a lot of time, but also not enough time in terms of uh, how to align all of the uh, stuff that's going to be going on in the offseason. So within that kind of short time period, by the way, already a deal emerged with old friend Dennis Schroeder heading to the Lakers to join um, that title contending slash defending team in LA. And the Thunder reportedly are going to be taking on Danny Green and the number 28 pick this year. That one, by the way, for both people asked me about this, so I'm going to go ahead and address it now because Dennis is a former Hawk. Um, I like it a little bit more for Oklahoma City considering the rebuild that they're starting. But a few people ask me sort of how that affects the Hawks because 2022 draft pick from Oklahoma City is going to Atlanta if if, if, if they make the playoffs, which is a huge question mark. I've done a deep dive on that already in the past. So I won't do that again here. But just to tell you, this should not impact that whatsoever because it's for the following season. Shooter's an expiring contract. 
So you kind of have to assume that he wasn't going to be there anyway. And I think you have to project that pick, by the way, not to convey to Atlanta. But Hawks fans don't necessarily have to worry about the Oklahoma City pick until the following season. So this upcoming season does not matter for the draft pick conversation that still could be coming to Atlanta. The following year in 21-22 is when Atlanta fans have to pay attention closely to the Thunder. So the other side of that is the Lakers. And there's reporting after that deal was consummated reportedly that Ray John Rondo might be looking to leave um, the Lakers now in free agency. People have been asking about Rondo as well. I'm not going to do a full breakdown now, but you know, it's, I would say I see all sides of the Rondo thing on talent and on pedigree. He'd be one of the better backup point guards available for the Hawks, and obviously Atlanta has a need there in a big way. He's also quite famous, given that he's a multi-time title winner, etc., and a former All-Star. With that said, he's been kind of bad in the regular season for the last couple of years. He's someone that you have to plan around a little bit on both ends of the floor as well. So um, there's pros and cons. He'd be a good locker room voice in some ways and a challenging one in others. When he's been on a good team, like the Lakers or the Celtics sometimes, he's been a pretty positive voice there. But he's also had a couple of run-ins, a couple of not great situations in like Dallas and Sacramento where he was not necessarily beloved. So I would say a mixed track record of that stuff off the court. He is well-regarded by players. That's definitely worth pointing out and noting. But um, a complicated discussion that could be had there on Rondo. I think um, if the Hawks were to get into the mix with him, they probably have to overpay to get him because the Hawks will not be the only team trying to get Rondo. There's already been some reporting about the Clippers, etc. I think he's more likely to go to a contending team. If he comes to Atlanta, it's because Atlanta really wanted him and paid a lot for him, which is kind of scary in some ways as well. So we could tackle that more if there's actually a rumor attached to it, but people were asking me about that on Sunday, so I wanted to at least briefly discuss the, the potential of Rondo. But again, no rumors right now. That's just uh, people asking and sort of, I would say, hypothetical thinking at this point in time on Rondo. Anyway, there's there's some wild, fun trade rumors out there as well with James Harden stuff being floated around this time, uh, and uh, nothing new on the Hawks front at the time of this recording on Sunday at about 9 p.m. There is a, a, a guy who people have asked me about as a potential Hawks target that's now lo- no longer on the market as a free agent anyway, and that's Evan Fournier. He's picking up his player option reportedly at this point in time. Um, Not a guy that I loved anyway for the Hawks as a potential target, but um, I guess the Hawks could still trade for him. But now he's under contract for the Magic for one more season. So cross that guy off your free agent list. Potentially could be on a trade list for somebody else, but there you go on that. Okay, at any rate... We can dive back into the, to the schedule stuff now because Woj reported all kinds of details for the upcoming season, and I want to go through those real quickly with you now. Um, December 22nd still opening night, of course. There's going to be an all-star break from March 5th through March 10th. That, by the way, will not include an all-star game, reportedly, which isn't a huge surprise. You know, COVID stuff, all of that. They're probably not wanting to have everybody in one place, etc. But there is a break in, this, in the schedule from March 5th to March 10th. Um, May 16th is the end of the regular season, and then May 17th through 21, a play-in tournament in both conferences for the 7 to 10 seeds. This is not official yet, but Woj reports that the 7 and 8 seeds will only have to win once, whereas the 9 and 10 seeds have to to win twice to advance to the playoffs. And I say this now because it is very, very possible the Hawks are in this play-in tournament for the Eastern Conference. It's not a lock by any means, but... I think that if I was asking, you know, it's, it's hard to do this, but somebody asked me this earlier, so I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and say it. I think if you ask me right now today, which is, again, it's impossible before the draft and free agency, but right now today, I would guess the Hawks are probably in the play-in tournament somewhere. Now, if they don't do a lot in free agency, they might be the 9 or 10. If they go a little bit more aggressively, they could be the 7 or 8 going into the play- play-in tournament. That, that's a pretty wide range. I think if you look at the talent level of the Hawks versus the teams in the Eastern Conference, Projecting them right now, again, it's too early for this, but between 7 and 10 makes a lot of sense. So this definitely could impact the Hawks directly. 
keep that all in mind, but we'll cover that as, as it gets closer, but that'll be May 17 through 21 at this point in time, followed by the first round of the playoffs on May 22nd, the conference semifinals on June 7th, then the conference finals on June 22nd, and the NBA finals from July 8th through July 22nd. So within a month of approximately of when the finals usually start is when the finals are scheduled to start now, and there's a shortened season here, 72 games, etc. That's all worth pointing out. Uh, other details that sort of emerged in the last couple of days, Tim Reynolds of the AP is the one that I saw report this, but there are no 45-day limits for two-way contracts this season. That is noteworthy. Of course, the Hawks uh, had Charlie Brown and Brandon Goodwin last year. They converted Goodwin, but also finished the season with Charlie, with Charlie Brown on a two-way. But a big part of the two-way thing was uh, those guys only be with the big league club for 45 days. Not even games, but 45 days on the calendar. This time around, that's out the window. And according to the reporting from the AP, players cannot be active for more than 50 games, but they're actually getting a lot more money, a flat fee, about $445,000, something like that. And also from a source that I've actually heard from, the league's memo that went around to team says you can't have more than 80 total games between the two two-way guys that the Hawks have or any other team would have. So 50 is the max for any player, but you can't have more than 80 total between the pair of two-way guys. And by the way, the only games that count toward that second total of 80 are games when the team has 14 or fewer contracts, is what I've been told, according to that league memo. So it seems like the teams, uh, I would say the league actually, is putting a safeguard in place to make it to where teams are not really going to be allowed or at least permitted to really take advantage of this and not sign guys to regular contracts in place of two ways. So it kind of works both ways here. It provides some depth for teams. It provides a safeguard because... Honestly, there's going to be some COVID fallout. You're going to have guys maybe miss some time, and this provides depth for the, for the rosters, but also safeguards for the players to not have them be passed over for two-way guys. And it's kind of a good compromise to that end. So, I don't know, interesting stuff there as well. The last thing that I will mention that was reported over the weekend about the sort of structure of the league is that Woj reported they projected salary cap numbers for future seasons. This looks to be a 3% increase, and I'm not sure you can fully bank on that, but um, obviously... Next year's number is going to be of great interest across the league with that huge free agent class. The Hawks have a ton of cap space for next year as well right now, so keep that all in mind. But it looks like next year's cap will be about $112 million with the, with the tax about 136 The following year in 22-23, a $115.7 million um, salary cap. And then the last year of this projection is 23-24, and that projection is about $119.2 million. So I know that's a long way away, but... Um, just keep that stuff in mind in the back of your head somewhere as the Hawks are trying to plan out their roster. And uh, Travis Schleich and company will be keeping a close eye on those numbers, especially with regard to the next two offseasons, including this one, because they have some uh, cat space stuff to figure out in the coming days. And also, if you want more details on this and all, all, all the cat stuff, there's actually going to be a good primer going up on Monday from a uh, good friend of the program, at ATL Hawks Fanatic, whose uh, name is Bob. He's been on this podcast before, but a, a legitimate salary cap expert and uh, Hawks driven. So you'll, you'll get all that at peacefreehoops.com on Monday if you are more interested in the salary cap stuff on the agenda. Okay, before we get into the rest of the show and a conversation that I had with Brian Schroeder on Devin Vassell, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Okay, let's move on to a guy that I know you also like a lot, and that is Devin Vassell. Um, Devin Vassell is a role player prospect, for sure, uh, and I think, broadly speaking, the internet's been a little bit higher on Devin Vassell than the league seems to be. If you look at the Intel stuff, but still a guy who's probably seen as a lottery pick. I have him firmly in the lottery and a guy who I've talked about a lot for the Hawks. Um, for people that haven't seen Devin Vassell, people might, that might be joining us a little bit closer to the draft that I haven't been diving in this whole time, 
give me a uh, give me your broad overview of what Devin Vassell is and what he actually could be. Um, have you seen Mikhail Bridges? He's he's one of those guys. <laughs> Similar. Mikhail Bridges, Otto Porter. Uh, I was gonna say like James Posey, but James Posey's a little older archetype. A true three and D player who could Otto, I think, is the better one because he could. He, I mean, he was a lead scorer for Florida State for a good basketball team. So like, the top a top ten team that was that, in air quotes, won their conference. Like, you know, nobody won their conferences this year, but he, they would have. Um, yeah, Vassell is a terrific uh, team defender. Just like about as good as you could be. The only guy in the last since I've been doing this like full time, the only guy I think is close to him is Chumo Kiki, who was a monster. And by the um, way, I cannot, I cannot wait to see Chimo, Chimo Kiki play in the NBA. I'm excited about that. I'm people people just kind of excited. forgotten about him uh, entirely. I wish, I mean, not not people like us, but people that are... Uh, he uh, was my favorite of the three SEC like combo forward defensive guys, him and P.A. Washington and Grant Williams. Chumo was my favorite. I, and I will say this, I wish he had gone somewhere else. Uh, and Broadly speaking, in the draft, I, I, did not, I did not want him to go to Orlando. Um, but hopefully they'll let him play and let him be good. I'm, I mean, rooting, I'm rooting for him. They need to play other people. But Vassell is is a good shooter. Vassell is a good movement shooter and is a good standstill shooter. His release is a little – it's kind of a loping release, and I'm not counting that video of him. I don't think that was real. I think that was him. He has problems like – the opposite problem of Vassell. I don't think he has like the core strength to really get shots up from far distance because so, he, he, t- he took a lot of threes that were like just behind the line. And he had a few long twos. I think he's working on his strength. And I, I feel like that video was just him messing around trying to yeah. fire like 30 footers and see what, how he could do it. I mean, let's, let's, let's do that real I fast because, was. yeah, I, I would say I'm trying to put this the right way. Uh, that, that video scared people, and I think rightly so, and that it, if that was real, it would be bad. But uh, the intel, so much as it exists, and probably there's some spin involved here that I've heard people have heard is that Basically, what you were saying is that he was not—that's not his new form. That's like he was trying to hoist from long, from long. The long fact distance. that the video got deleted means that's probably true. Yeah, I think that is probably true as well. I mean, I'm not going to tell you for 100% certainty because I've not seen him personally shoot since then, so I can't claim that. But we've all kind of heard similar things, like, "Look, that's not his new form. Don't worry." And that could be spin for sure. But I, I tend to trust it because we've only seen, you know, I don't want to panic over two shots, and it literally was yeah. two shots. Um, yeah. So I want to just say that every time I talk about Vassell now, I bring it up because people panic so badly about that video. And I get why, because it looked bad. But let's all take a deep breath. That would be what I would say. The thing about Vassell is, like, I, I need to find the exact – let me let me talk about his other stats before I find this exact stat because I brought it up again recently somewhere else and I couldn't remember it. But he, he was like a – advanced stat freak as freshman he didn't play he only played 350 minutes he was like he didn't start a game he was you know he was the young lanky freshman on a Florida State team that was that he didn't play that much and he uh the only thing he, he took a slightly fewer threes this year but his offensive rebound percentage defensive rebound percentage went up steal percentage stayed the same block percentage went up turnover percentage went down so like he had the same exact BPM both years, 10.9, which is uh, good, by the way. That yeah. puts him on like the – very. I have to look it up, but that puts him on like one of like 30 players in the last 15 years that have a career 10 BPM at college. So it's like that doesn't happen very often. He completely shreds pick and rolls defensively, like just destroys them. Like you can't – he does the thing, and this is not at all comp like physically um, at all, but he does that thing that – when Kawhi did 
when he when he was a role player on the Spurs, where he just takes the ball. Like, oh, I, he just decides to take the ball now. He'll do that. Guys will run at him, and he'll just take the ball away from him. It's, it's frightening. Okay, but here we go. Yes. Okay. Here's a, it's, a, it's a list of six, seven-wing prospects who were 19 or younger and forced turnovers on 20% or more of the pick-and-roll possessions that they defended in ISO. Josh Kogi, 21.5. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Josh Kogi at 21%. Jordan Adams, 22%. Kevin Durant, 22.4. Harrison Barnes. Ben Simmons, 23. Cam Reddish, 24.4. Kawhi Leonard, 24.7. We got Scenarius Thornwell in here. Andre Robertson at 25. Josh Jackson, 25.4. OG Ananobi at 25.9. Patrick Williams at 26.1. Jimmy Butler at 26.2. KJ McDaniels at 28%. And then Devin Vassell, almost three percentage points higher, thirty point seven percent, thirty, almost a third of the pick and roll possessions he, that he faced, he forced a turnover on. That's absurd. It's like, and this is in the ACC. This is playing against Duke and North Carolina and Virginia, who doesn't turn the ball over. It's like, it's almost an unbelievable number. But I, but I watched enough games that he just did it. And and a part of that is that Florida State's super aggressive defensive scheme, but like. I didn't see Jonathan Isaac on there. You don't see Patrick. I mean, you do see Patrick Williams, but you don't see him that high, not anywhere near that high. You don't see like Trent Forrest on there or this other, any of these other recent Florida State turnover guys. And the fact that he can do that and then shot well over 41% from three both years is like the guy's a, the guy's a team defense freak. He's a freak. Yeah, I mean, in addition to everything that you just said, and I, I agree with all of it, you know, the steals are there, all that stuff. He is a, like, strongly above-average above block rate for a wing as well. Way it's not above. just, like, on-ball stuff or help or help side steals. Like, he gets to the rim and protects a little bit. Um, you know, that may not translate at a super high level of the NBA, but, like, I think he can – he's just going to be really good defensively. That's, that's the thing that, you know – Everyone's talking about this off-ball defense, and I totally agree. It's really, really good. It might be the best in the class. I guess it is. I guess it is the best in the class. Um, what do you think about him on the ball? Because that's. I think there's a little bit of, of, of divergence there. Of like, is he going to be a stopper-level on-ball defender? Does it even matter if he is or not? Like, what do you think of? I don't think it matters. Defense? He's 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 pretty good. I'd say overall, he's the second best guy. Like, if you average out on and off-ball defense, he's the second best guy in the class. Um, but like, you know, he's he's not super strong, so he's going to get like bullied sometimes. But I don't think. I've said this before. Humble defense is is not important, really. I don't really, I don't put much importance into it. Yeah, I mean, because it's, I, I will say this: it's de- it's definitely overrated. It's still like kind of important at times, but it's it's certainly an overrated trait in a lot of ways. Because no team just runs isos at one guy all the time. Like, I, it's it's nice to have the luxury of a guy you can know you can get stops. But even then, even then, if he plays perfect defense, you'll still have. You know, I would rather if if I got Kawhi coming at me. I'd rather run something at him defensively than just let my guy defend him. Cause if you just let them play ISO defense, he's probably going to score. Yeah. And like, I, I get, well I, I, I get that if you run stuff at him, someone else will be open, but that's the point. You don't want the Kawhi's or, you know, the Jimmy Butler's to beat you and like make them pass. And, and like, if, if you make them pass there, Vassell will get the steal. He had so yeah. many of those. Yeah, I mean, he's he's so good defensively, and I think it's going to translate. I guess 
the follow-up to that naturally would be, uh, you know, how good is he going to be in the NBA? And it's hard to project that with, with anyone, but is he going to be a, an all-NBA kind of defender? Is that what you see as his path? Now, that's, that's, not, well, that's, maybe, not, but... that's not a projection for anybody, but, like, is that in the realm of possibility? What's his, like, median outcome look like defensively? He could be He could be that. The problem is, I mean, the all-defensive teams are voted by people who think that Andre Drummond should be a good. So that, that's very I'm fair. Not, I'm not sure. He could be good enough to make it, but it doesn't mean he will. Yeah, I'm um, saying I'm saying value-wise, just like what he's what he's actually giving you. Because you're right about that. The all, all the voting is all it's often a little bit silly. But is he going to be, you know, a top ten defensive wing in the league? Like, is that is that going to be? Top ten, but be? I, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised by it. Yeah, and that's kind of what I think too. He's, I mean, he's going to be he's going to be like a, um, another football analogy. He's not going to be the the linebacker who gets 140 tackles what he will be is the guy who switches who covers running backs and covers head ends then comes back and, co- and covers over the middle and occasionally get in like, like a roquan smith type of just like everywhere oh there he is again he's all over he is the most aggressive team defender too like a lot of guys are great team defenders because they rotate in and make like uh they'll make like good reads and just be in position to stop stuff he he play def- he plays team defense like draymond does where he just attacks like he, he cuts he cuts off things before they're there and then they i've seen him more than once cut off one side of a like when they run somebody around a screen he sees it you know a couple seconds in advance cuts it off and then by the time that they the, the passer usually a guy who's standing at the top of the key i think it's all, both the times i saw it the guy will try and go to the other side of the court and Vassell will just run over there and steal the ball when he when he lets go like he just covers the entire makes like a shell around the three-point line and if you are trying to make, if you're trying to pass the ball around him, and he, and he can t- he can read it, he's going to take it. And that's like, he's going to do that. I don't know if he's going to do it a lot, but he will do it. You will see it happen. Mikhail Bridges has done it more than once. And 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 he's really good. I mean, Bridges is like a very 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 good defensive prospect. Um, so yeah, Mikhail I- Mikhail. The interesting thing about him is he may have hit close to like a ten percent outcome on his shooting. Like he just can't shoot in the NBA very well, despite being a great college shooter. And he's still one of the 10 best players in that really good draft. So like he's still been an excellent player. Yeah. I'm i uh, I'm with you hundred percent. I don't see why Vassell won't be that good. It doesn't seem possible to me at this stage. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's what you're, that's what you're getting. I think the offensive end, which we'll I have to ask you about now is um, somewhat of a bonus. Obviously you need to have some level of offensive acumen, be able to be guarded, et cetera. But the defense is the biggest thing. With Vassell, um, let's transition now to the offense. We talked about his the, the weird shooting video, but forgetting that for a second, um, he shot well in college from three. Uh, he did a little bit of on-ball stuff in college. Um, I am a little bit skeptical, at least on some level, of his on-ball creation in, in the NBA, but I don't really care as much either. I think the plug-and-play aspect of him is pretty is pretty interesting. And uh, I don't know. I guess I'll just ask you what you think about his offense translating into the NBA. He improved a pretty good amount, as I like a dribble drive and like he he's he got a little maybe a little too into the taking like eight dribbles and shooting a pull-up but he hit a few of them like he can shoot them he's not worse at that than like anthony edwards is and he does that a lot less um he's gonna be an excellent cutter too so i'm not i'm really i think he's gonna be a perfectly acceptable offensive player he'll help you makes good offensive rebounder he makes smart reads you know he he's probably not going to be asked to dribble the ball around a lot so like I don't think it's going to be a major problem for him, um, but he's yeah he's going to fine handle for a six 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 seven guy who's going to be exclusively a two three four like it's it's fine it's not worrisome for me. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, you know how this is. I, I'll, I'll bring him up, and people are unimpressed by the offense, and I, I totally understand it. At the same time, given what we just said about his defense, in this class, if he's just average on offense, that's all you really care about, honestly. like Part of that, too, is also, I don't know if people are super familiar with Florida State. Like Nobody's very impressive on offense when they play at Florida State. That's a very, very good point. Yeah, that's just well, not how they play. That's just not they like they don't play guards really. They don't play point guards, and they're very egalitarian. Like they just want to they want to waste the shot clock and take like the best shot they can get, and then when you get the ball, they want to take beat you or pick the ball and score in transition. So like a lot of points and they have, they score a lot of transition points at Florida State, and like it's just not like he's not going to be breaking people down off the dribble when he's just running down the court in three strides and dunking. So it's like. <laughs> Um, he's not, I don't know. He, he's a very good athlete too. I don't think, I think he's underrated slightly because of his, his strength, but he's got a lot of pop. He gets up for like, that was the thing that was most exciting about him as a freshman. He had three or four like huge tip dunks and he had some, like he blocked some corner threes and he was just like flying around. Uh, I mean, he was, when they played Duke, he was giving like, he was blowing past Barrett and, and Reddish like on. They tried to box him out, and he just would run around him and get. He did, I think, one or two dunks in that game. He he tried to block Zion once and uh, got his whole body crumpled into a ball. But like he tried, he tried, he tried it. Um, only one guy in all, only maybe one or two guys in all of college would were able to do that. And so like, and one of them is literally a tight end, Horace Spencer. Like that, he was a tight end who just they, Auburn convinced to play basketball, and he just would beat people up. But yeah, like like that's not. I think I think he'll be fine offensively. Yeah, I, I do too. And I mean, I guess the only thing that I will ask is like what you think his shooting baseline is. Again, forgetting the weird video, but he shot well on threes, but not huge sample size in college. Even even across two seasons, free throw wise, it wasn't great. He didn't get to the line a ton either. Um, do you think he's going to be a good three point shooter or just a passable average guy that you have to guard? Okay, I could say good because he um his his shot is like. It's not affected by closeouts that much. It's high. So I think he's. If you get him in the, you get him in the corner, he's gonna hit him. I mean, like, would you say Jay Crowder was a good three-point shooter this year? I don't remember what Jay Crowder the, shot, but probably. I mean, but, probably not. I, I, I think of Jay Crowder as the ultimate uh, hot cold guy, but also the fact that he's just an average three-point shooter, or maybe even worse than that. Yeah. I, I but I would say I would say Devin's better than he is. So like. It's it's not going to be a huge problem. I, I think like I think of somebody else in the league. I mean, who's not Mikhail? Otto is like an elite shooter for a while, so he's not. That's, I'm not counting him. But like, uh, I don't know. You now see that I, it's weird. It's weird. There's not that many guys who play like him. So I'm trying to think of a similar shooter. But he's a three guy, so like he'll hit threes. He'll be fine. I'm not that worried. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Anything he gives you as a as a creator is is is. Just gravy for me. Oh, I certainly think that. I think that if you if he gives you anything as a secondary creator, which I think is it's possible, there are some people that are higher on that than I am for sure about him being a potentially you know tough shot maker. All this stuff he can do a little bit of that. He flashed it in college. I am just going to project him to be safe as a you know fourth fifth option on offense that catches and shoots and does what you need him to do. That's also a plus defender, and that as a wing in the modern NBA is a really good basketball player. I mean, there's nothing. It's not too scientific there i feel i know that but i trust his defense sounds like you do too and offensively he'll just be okay or better and that combination at, on the wing in the modern league man like you can't you can't get too picky that's that, that's just a good player really 
This is Brad coming to you in post-production to wrap up today's podcast. I want to shout out Brian once again for giving us all the time. We have one more installment coming with Brian. It's going to air, I think, tomorrow. Um, and, and we talked about Isaac Okoro as our final prospect out of Auburn, a guy that's been mocked to the Hawks quite a bit as well. So stay tuned for all of that. Please subscribe to this podcast. Check out Brian's work at Cosmos on Twitter and on Patreon. Follow me if you'd like to on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Please, please, please subscribe and tell your friends and we'll see you next time.